This is Ticker Symbol U, a podcast focused on highlighting advanced technologies that are transforming our lives and disrupting their competitors in the process. My name is Alex, and I'm definitely not a financial advisor. I'm just a nerd that loves sharing my personal vision of the future and putting my money where my mouth is. To learn more, find me at tickersymbolu.com or youtube.com slash tickersymboluyou. Let's start with this. About three weeks ago, I talked about a company called Peak Fintech Group, ticker symbol PKKFF on the OTC markets, and for about eight seconds, ticker symbol TNT on the NASDAQ. For a while now, Peak Fintech has been one of my favorite stocks because it's a data-driven fintech company that connects small and medium-sized businesses to lenders and financial institutions in emerging markets. That's a winning combo if I've ever heard one. Well, since I made that episode, the stock has been delisted from the NASDAQ, had a short report come out against it, and triggered a separate trading halt on the Canadian Stock Exchange, where its ticker symbol is PKK. What a wild ride. Actually, the first thing I want to do is to apologize to you. It sucks when you get excited about a stock and you buy into it, only to have all this bad stuff immediately happen, and my timing on that was terrible. I know that there are people who are excited about and invested in this company because of me, and I do take that seriously. I know how hard it is to earn trust and how easy it is to lose it. So in this episode, I'd like to cover what the heck is going on with this stock, whether the short report has any merit at all, and my thoughts about its NASDAQ delisting. Your time is valuable, so here's the bottom line up front. Just like last time, I still love this company and have the same roughly two-year price target of $21 US per share. And just like last time, I'm not a financial advisor, so nothing I say on this channel should ever be taken as financial advice. With all that said, let's take an objective look at the company, the NASDAQ delisting, and the short report to see if anything has actually changed. Peak Fintech is a Canadian fintech company with its operations in mainland China. In my opinion, there are two things that are special about Peak Fintech. First, it's operating in a way that the Chinese government likes. It's a business-to-business enterprise, so it's not handling any sensitive consumer data. And it's focused on small and medium-sized businesses instead of tech giants, which the Chinese government is actively trying to rein in. Second, because it's not a Chinese company at all, when you buy the stock, you get the stock, not an ADR, like Alibaba, Pinduoduo, Neostock, and so on. American Depository Receipts, or ADRs, from China are the stocks that have that added risk of being delisted if the Chinese government decides to do so. Not that I really think that would happen, but my point is Peak Fintech isn't a Chinese ADR stock to begin with. It's a Canadian stock, which leads us right into their delisting from the NASDAQ at the end of September, after getting listed there just three weeks earlier. This is a press release from Peak Fintech, where they address what actually happened. Peak's application to list on the NASDAQ was made under the Multi-Jurisdictional Disclosure System, or the MJDS, which was jointly adopted by the SEC and Canadian Securities Administrators. The MJDS is intended to make it easier for companies on both sides of the border to list their respective securities on exchanges in both countries. The SEC notes that the MJDS allows eligible Canadian companies to register their securities and fulfill their periodic reporting requirements by use of documents prepared in accordance with the Canadian requirements and reviewed by Canadian Securities Administrators. So my guess is those Canadian requirements and guidelines are what Peak Fintech has 
has been following for their financial reporting, and this MJDS system allows them to list on the other side of the border without worrying about two sets of paperwork. Well, guess what? The SEC here in the United States recently changed their disclosure guidance for companies with operations in China. So this updated guidance is what caused the snag on the NASDAQ, even though the stock is still trading just fine in the -the over-the-counter markets as PKKFF and on the Canadian Stock Exchange as PKK. Because I'm a glutton for punishment, I went ahead and I read the new SEC guidance to see if these snags are legit or if this is just an excuse by peak fintech. And guess what? They seem pretty legit to me. The new SEC guidance says that when the majority of a company's operations are in China, which is definitely true for peak fintech, they have to report all the different kinds of risks associated with it. For example, China has often restricted the access that U.S. regulators have to information that they might need to investigate companies. Current regulations in China limit or prohibit foreign investment in Chinese companies operating in certain industries. China's legal system is substantially different from the legal system in the United States and may raise risks and uncertainties concerning the intent, effect, and enforcement of its laws, rules, and regulations, including those that restrict the inflow and outflow of foreign capital. The list goes on and on, and if the Canadian securities administrators didn't start to require these same things at the same time, Peak Fintech wouldn't have known to include all that language. So Peak Fintech has voluntarily withdrawn its Form 40F filed with the SEC while it works to comply with the recent disclosure guidance provided for companies either based in China or with the majority of their operations in China. Could there be more to it than this? Yes, absolutely. But does this seem like a perfectly reasonable paperwork issue, given that pink fintech files with the Canadian regulators and got tripped up by separate American regulators that just changed their reporting requirements? Yeah, that seems like a reasonable paperwork hiccup that's on peak fintech to solve, and I do think that's really what's going on. I'm saying that because soon after their delisting from the NASDAQ, Grizzly Reports released a short report on peak fintech, and that report tells a completely different story. That report came out on October 4th and dropped the stock by over 20%, causing a separate trading halt for it on the Canadian exchange in the process. Yikes. Here's my personal rule on short reports. The better the timing, the worse the report. Releasing a short report right after a stock gets delisted from a major exchange, that's pretty great timing for a short report. You're basically kicking someone when they're down and then claiming you won the entire fight. Remember the short report on Nikola by Hindenburg Research? That report happened right after Nikola announced a $2 billion deal with General Motors. That's horrible timing for a short report, right? But that didn't matter because it had multiple actual smoking guns in it. The other thing you should realize about short reports like this one, the one against Ginkgo Bioworks, the one against DraftKings, and so on, is that the authors of the report can take their short position, tell everybody they like about the report, release the report, and then cash out on their short position one week later when the report works, even if it's loaded with lies. And loaded with lies is exactly the feeling you get when you look at the difference between the disclaimers in the Hindenburg report on Nikola and Grizzly's report on peak fintech. Grizzly's disclaimer is much longer and, in my opinion, gives everything away in the first line. This report and all statements contained herein are the opinions of Grizzly Research and are not statements of fact. All caps and underlined by them, not me. I won't read you this entire report, but if you'd like a balanced view in a nutshell, I'll do my best. First, both the short report by Grizzly Research and Peak Fintech's response to the report are linked in the description below. 
That should give you most of the resources you need to make your own conclusions without my biased opinion in favor of Peak Fintech. Peak Fintech is made up of multiple subsidiaries that basically act as different business units that work together depending on the nature of the business-to-business transaction that they're trying to facilitate. The short report focuses on Peak Fintech's acquisitions or equity in Heartbeat Insurance, Zhenzauer, and Asia Synergy Financial Capital, or ASFC. The report says a lot of stuff like, to our amazement, PKK's scheming extends beyond investments in hollow entities. Our research uncovers that PKK does not even own its subsidiaries. In my opinion, words like amazement and scheming don't tend to lend a lot of credibility to what should be a fact-based report. And to no one's surprise, Peak Fintech's CEO, Johnson Joseph, responded in kind. Basically, when Peak Fintech makes acquisitions, they prefer to acquire the assets, IP, clients, management, and employees. That way, they get all the benefits and avoid any potential skeletons that may be hiding in the company or associated with that brand. And that's what they did in the case of Heartbeat Insurance and Zinzauer, which is the loan brokerage platform that I talked about in the previous deep dive. When Peak Fintech acquired that platform, it already had generated around 15 billion RMB, or around $2.3 billion, in loan requests. So what Peak Fintech bought was a working piece of financial technology that would help facilitate their financial transactions. The one other point about the report that I'll mention is that it alleges that the relationship between the Kubler platform and Peak Fintech is self-dealing. If you don't know what Kubler is, it's the technology platform that powers Peak Fintech's entire business hub. As of October 1st, Peak Fintech announced that it officially acquired and now owns this platform, which is a pretty big deal if you're a Peak Fintech investor. It would be like Tesla building on top of a battery platform that it didn't own, and then finally getting the rights to the platform. Well, the same is true for Peak Fintech with Kubler. Because Peak Fintech still owes royalties to Kubler, they're now paying royalties to a company that they own, no matter how they decide to take it off the books. That's not really self-dealing in my opinion. One thing I will say is that I wish Johnson Joseph was a little more formal in his responses to the short report. When you read his responses, which again are linked in the description below, it's clear that he thinks that this is a waste of time. But the truth is that it's never a waste of time defending your company and its stakeholders against claims of fraud, insider dealing, and so on. This is a great opportunity to highlight some of Peak Fintech's strengths, including the decisions management has made to get it to where it is today. As you can tell by how I run this channel, I feel a little extra professionalism goes a long way. But that's just my two cents. Comment below or tweet me at ticker symbol U with your two cents. Let me know how you feel about Peak Fintech, its NASDAQ delisting, Grizzly Research's short report, and Johnson Joseph's response to it. And definitely keep letting me know how you feel about the timing of my deep dive into that company. That feedback really helps me grow as an investor and as a presenter. As for me, I still think Peak Fintech is a huge winner as a fintech company in an emerging market. Based on everything I've read, the delisting was an honest paperwork hiccup between them, the Canadian securities administrators they file with, and the SEC's new guidance for companies operating in China. I'm really excited for them to relist on the NASDAQ soon, and I know they're actively working on it from their monthly Form 7, which they file with the Canadian Stock Exchange. And of course, when they do come back to the NASDAQ, I plan on adding Peak Fintech into the $100,000 public portfolio that I'm starting when this channel hits 100,000 subscribers. We're almost there. The goal of that portfolio is to use all of the research and data that I've been using since I've started this channel to show how I would grow an account starting from a clean slate, knowing what I know today. 
Just like some investors compare their performance to the S&P 500, I'll be comparing mine to ARK-K, ARK Invest's flagship innovation fund over a five-year time horizon, or until I have to admit defeat. Either way, the goal is to provide a fun and interactive investing experience for my awesome community. Until next time, this is Ticker Symbol U. My name is Alex, reminding you that the best investment you can make is in you.